And um, I'm going to pray before we do that. It's always important to ask God to help us with the word. Heavenly Father, thank you for your presence here. And we thank you for the way your scriptures, every part of it, speaks to us. And um, it's, it's just amazing how, how living and active your word is, Lord. And uh, today I pray that, um, yeah, as we you know, wrap up this series on Hebrews, the book of Hebrews, and this journey that we've been on, that today would not um, feel like we're just skimming over the end, but instead it would feel like, um, a, 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 it wouldn't just feel like it, but it would be a moment where you meet with us and where transformation occurs in our hearts and where we're reminded of who you are and um, how great you are and how great your love is for us and um, how ready you are to be uh, at work in our lives and in the, in the ins and outs of everything that we're facing during the week, Lord, and in the week ahead. Father, we know that you're with us and it brings us great hope, God, uh, for our lives. And so today I just ask uh, you, Holy Spirit, that you would be um, in our midst, that you'd be working in our hearts and our minds uh, as, as we look at your word and um, yeah, let this let this be just a message of grace and truth today in Jesus' name, Amen. So today, as I said, we're we're wrapping up the Hebrews series. It's been a long journey through the book, and in in a particularly fitting way, we're going to wrap it up by looking at the benediction. That's uh, in in the final chapter there. And if you've spent any any sort of length of time in church, it's likely that you will have heard these words read out loud many times before um, at the end of many church services or worship gatherings of different different types. And although the words of this benediction are heard often by the church, they may not be taken to heart very often by the church. They may not be um, considered or thought about um, very deeply about how do they apply to our life. Because often it's just something that we use to close the service off. Um, but the words there, the promises that are there, the, uh, the reminders that are in these couple of verses here. And I was thinking it would be a great series to do the, like all the benedictions in the scriptures. I'm not going to do that. Um, but that's a, that's a cool idea because there's so many great um, blessings and prayers and promises to take a hold of. And we could be forgiven um, for you know, not really taking it to heart or letting it just become something that, that is like a way of closing the service rather than actually taking a hold of the words. I know um, today uh, I could, I could um, say there's many times I've used this very benediction to close off a service. I've done it a few times here this year and um, um, my goal is not actually to pronounce that blessing unfortunately. When I do that, it's usually just to close the service. And so today I get a a chance to redeem myself um, with that. And my prayer is that as we work our way through the words of these couple of verses that make up the blessing and the prayer, um, that we will be able to receive in full everything that was intended by them. You know, when they were first written, that we'd be able to take a hold of them and understand them, be blessed by them, be encouraged by them. And so what is a benediction? Put it very simply, it's it's a prayer or a blessing, or a prayer and a blessing. And um, in the scriptures, we see them at the usually at the end of a le- uh, end of a letter um, that's been written or a book of the Bible. And in our experience, um, as we you know do life with the church, we usually hear them after the last song in our in our worship service on Sunday. It's more 
it's more than well wishes, although that's kind of like part of it, you know. It's, it's kind of the feel of it is that there's this sense of um, before we go, I just need to say I hope and pray this happens for us this week. You know, it's a bit, it's a bit like that. It's, and it's not only hoping for good things to occur or praying for that, but we're asking God himself to go with us. As we, as we leave, you know, come with us, God, into the, into the uh, week ahead. That's part of what a benediction is. A benediction is a time where we say, hey, just before you go from our gathering, I need to remind you of a couple of things about the nature of our God. And I need, to re- need you to remember some things that he has done for you. And as you do this, you find yourself entering back into your life, back into your family, back into your relationships, back into your struggles, back into your workplace, back into your school or into your study with your eyes fixed on God. That's the intention of a benediction. That's the idea of that blessing and prayer is that we go with this like, um, it's, it's just like a boost almost as we finish off the service. One final word, here it is, a reminder about who God is, some promises that have come from his word. Here it is, guys. Let's go. That's what the benediction is. And that's why we have one. I think it's an awesome thing to have, actually. And, and sometimes we just do spontaneous things, read a, diff- a scripture that applied to the word, or it feels like I'll often just close with something that applies to the message or something like that. But it's an important thing for us to do. And now, before we read this particular benediction out, it's worth remembering that the original audience who heard this first, and I know... I sound like a broken record, but they're, they're persecuted Christians, they're weary, they're worn out, there's not much about their lives that gives them peace, right? The picture of Christ that they first received, that joy that they first had, it's starting to wear thin a little bit, they're being persecuted, and um, their, their vision of Christ is becoming a little bit blurry for them. And so if you could imagine their hearing of the letter of Hebrews, right? They, they gathered together in someone's home. One of the elders was excitedly unraveling the scroll and they've been looking at things like, you know, at the start of Hebrews, it, it talks about Jesus is superior to, to everything and anyone and superior to the old covenant, superior to Moses, superior to Abraham, you know, superior to the angels. And um, his, his blood, his sacrifice is superior. The covenant is superior. All of this stuff they're hearing and, they're going, and their, their vision of Christ is becoming a little less blurry as they hear these words. And then they're reminded of those great stories of faith in Hebrews 11 and all this wonderful encouragement is coming from, um, from the book. And they're reminded that Jesus has fulfilled all of the old covenant, right? Their Jewish heritage, because these are Jewish Christians their Jewish heritage is, is sort of, um, in, you know, they, they, they're being reminded that they can't go back to Judaism. It, their, their covenant with Christ, the way they receive grace now is found in Jesus. We've looked at all of those things and these Christians were, were hearing this and they're being reminded, hey, get a clear vision for who Jesus, Jesus is and how you're connecting with God now. And so they get through all of that and their church meeting is nearly over, and it's probably late at night, and they've got a big day of work tomorrow, and their elder reading from the scroll gets to verse 20 in chapter 13. He says, Now may the God of peace, who through the blood of the eternal covenant brought back from the dead our Lord Jesus, that great shepherd of the sheep, 
equip you with everything good for doing his will. And may he work in us what is pleasing to him through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. And then there's like just a few extra verses, a couple of side notes about, hey, Timothy's just been released. He'll be coming to you soon. I hope to see you as well. Greet everyone in grace and this sort of thing. And it wraps up. All right, so there's a couple of things here in the first verse. We'll kind of look at the first verse, verse 20, and then we'll go on to verse 21. We can, we can look at it pretty, pretty clearly in that way. And in the first verse, the first thing that stands out to me is that God is given a special title here. He's the God of peace. And you could imagine, you know, we, we've talked about all the different ways in which these Christians' lives are not peaceful at the moment. And he's saying, just before I go, one reminder, the God of peace is the one we're praying to. And this is often said in all of the benedictions in the New Testament. If you read through them, it's in, I'd say, nearly every one. And it's not only a good reminder of who God is, but it's important to remember that God desires to promote peace in our lives as well. Right? We're talking about something more serious than when we hear of that ideal of peace. You, know, you often hear it in a, in a speech, whether it be a political speech or you know, a beauty pageant speech. You know, we, we just hope for world peace. It's, it's more serious than that. Right? It, we're talking about something that is achievable through Jesus. We're talking about peace in the midst of tensions in relationships. We're talking about peace in the midst of persecution. We're talking about peace between different ethnic groups. We're talking about peace in the midst of financial pressure. We're talking about peace in the midst of poor health. We're talking about peace in the midst of grief and loss. We're talking about peace between a perfect God and broken humans, between the creator of all things and his creation. When they pray this blessing, they're saying, The God of peace, he's the one that we're looking to. He's the reason we're gathering today. And it means all of this for us. You know, it means that whatever we're facing, it can be faced with a peace that we'd otherwise not have had we not been in this new covenant, new, new relationship that we have with him through Jesus Christ. And so that's a type of peace that I want to pray for us as a church. You know, at the end, we're going to reread this. And, and when I say, now may the God of peace, I want you to think about that. What are you facing? What's, what's not giving you peace in your life right now? And, and, and as I pray this blessing at the end, I'm praying that the God of peace would meet you, meet you in that difficulty that you're facing. The second thing to note here is that um, it's something we've touched on in depth this year as well, but it's like a final, it was like a final reminder for our Jewish Christian readers. The covenant God has now formed by the blood of Jesus. It's an eternal one. The first covenant, the old covenant, it was not eternal. You know, it's eternal as it's fulfilled in Jesus, right? And so it's a relationship that is going to last forever. And um, I might add that as you read through the Old Testament, that's a great concern for, 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 the, for God's people. You know, as they journey with God and go through the ups and downs, they're thinking, gee, is God, is God really going to go with us? You know, is he on our side or is he not? This is a concern for them. But in the New Covenant, our relationship with the living God, this God of peace, it's secure, it's eternal, 
it'll last forever. And, and it's because it's of nothing that we've done. It's because God sent his son. God shed his own blood on the cross. God raised his own son up from the grave, right? This is an awesome thing. The new covenant, the way we receive grace from God, it requires nothing further from us than to just put our faith in Jesus. And so to be reminded of this, that's a big deal. You know, sometimes we could read that, that benediction out and it just sounds like a bit of Christianese jargon that we're reading, but no, it's saying, hey, this is, this is the blessing we can receive today. There's nothing you need to do to, to receive God's grace in your life, you know. It's an eternal covenant and it's on Jesus' blood and um, it, it, it's powerful because it rose Jesus from the grave. Right, this is an important factor in our lives. The final thing about this first verse in the benediction is um, that while God is called the God of peace, Jesus is also given a title here, isn't he? And he's, he's the great shepherd of the sheep. And I wonder if as they hear this promise, given that they were Jewish Christians, probably read through the Psalms many times, maybe, maybe Psalm 23 might have popped into their mind. And I want to go there. Um, now, if we keep in mind that, they're, that what they're going through is really difficult and then they, they hear these words as an appropriate reminder, hey, this Jesus you're serving, this one who's secured the new covenant, this one who's secured things by his own blood, he's the great shepherd. And they might have gone to Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd, I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely your goodness and, your, and love will follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. I wonder if they thought of that psalm, you know. In a time when the church was lacking, they're reminded that the great shepherd, Jesus, you know, as long as they're with him, they lack nothing. In a time when their lives are shaped by hurry and weariness and labour, Difficulty, the great shepherd makes them lie down in green pastures. Have you ever laid down in the middle of a field out in the country? (laughs) It's a good feeling. He leads them in quiet places, refreshes their souls. I doubt that those Christians were going through um, a time of refreshing. I'm not sure that many of them would have felt really refreshed by their situation. When they're not sure of the path they're taking in life, Much of Hebrews is the author saying, hey guys, straight and narrow. Remember, this is who Jesus is. It's not going back to Judaism. It's not going this way or that way. It's not putting up with these pressures. It's about Jesus, right? And in a time when they're not sure which path to take, the great shepherd guides them along the right paths for his name's sake. Even though the church is walking through their darkest valley in that time, you know, With the great shepherd by their side, they shall fear no evil. As the church might struggle to provide for themselves, you know, under financial pressure, 
provide for their families, putting food on the table. The great shepherd, he's setting tables for them in the presence of their enemies. In the time when their cup is running dry, the great shepherd makes their cup overflow. His goodness and his love is following them every day. I wonder what it means for you to have the great shepherd of the sheep in your life, walking with you, going with you in every, every journey, every difficulty, every, every step of the way. Can you say that his presence makes a difference? Now may the God of peace, who through the blood of the eternal covenant brought back from the dead our Lord Jesus, that great shepherd of the sheep, equip you with everything good for doing his will, and may he work in us what is pleasing to him through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. So I want to um, you know, start looking at this second verse now, verse 21. And um, we shift from being reminded about who God is and who Jesus is and some of these promises about the covenant and all of that. And we begin to um, now look at a couple of prayers that we can pray. Right, The author is now inviting us to pray for this God of peace to be at work in our lives in two particular ways. And the more that I look at each of these prayers, the more I realise that we are not just asking God um, to do something for us, but hidden in them are some things that might bring a little bit of gentle correction to our lives as well. There's a sense in which there's, these are like prayers of submission to God when we, when we look at these. And so the first prayer is that our God of peace would equip us with everything good for doing his will. And the idea is that we are asking God to give us what we need to be able to carry out his will, his purposes, and his plans in our lives, right? And it's important that we make it clear that we're not asking God for everything good for carrying out our own plans, which is a very, very uh, you know, common thing for, for, for at least, I know for myself, to fall into, you know? We're not asking God to give us what we need to carry out our own purposes, but we should know that the good and endless resources of our God, when we, when we ask for God to give us things, those things are tied up and connected with his plans and his purposes. Right? And so when we pray this prayer, this prayer is like a prayer of submission. You can't pray for God to give you things without first considering he's not interested in giving you something that um, is outside of or does not align with his plans and purposes. Yeah? Because why would he do that? He wants to equip you to do the things that he has planned for you to do, his purposes and um, desires for your life. When we ask God to give us everything good for carrying out his will, we are surely asking God to align us with his own plans and purposes. Right? We're actually saying, God, whatever it is that you want to do in my life, whatever it is you want to do in my life, I want to be sure that I have what I need to carry that out. That's the prayer we're praying over the church when we, when we read this benediction. God, give us everything we need to carry out your plans and your purposes in this place. Would you equip me with all that I need to live according to your ways, according to the way you desire for us to live? And this does not just apply to each of us personally, does it? Right? It's a filter for all of our prayers. When we come to prayer, this, and this is actually what prayer is, we align ourselves to God and his purposes and his will for our life, and we ask him to, to adjust us accordingly. Right? This, is, this is what we find when we come to prayer. 
And so for our church, for our relationships, for our families, for our businesses, for our workplaces, for our schools, for our community, God, give us everything we need to be able to live according to your ways. I think another way we could put this is, God, would you align our resources with your purposes and your plans? And by the by, would we align our plans and purposes with the resources that God has given us? Right? That's something to, to think about. God, whatever God's currently equipped us to, let's align ourselves with that, those resources. God is not going to ask you to do something and then not equip you to carry that out. Right? If he's asked you to do something and you don't yet have what you need, it might not be the right time. If he's asked you to do something and you have what you need to do it, then it's probably time to do it. If you feel that God is telling you that it's time to start what he's asked you to do, and you don't feel like you have what you need, then you're probably wrong. If God's telling you to start something, and you're thinking, oh, I'm not sure if I can do it, don't feel very equipped, and he's saying, no, you've got to start now, it's time to take that step, then, uh, yeah, you're, you're probably wrong in saying it's not time to start. It's probably time to get into that. I don't know why those ones are in there, but I just felt God wanted me to say those ones, so it might speak to someone there. And so equip me with the faith I need to carry out your will. Equip me with the perseverance I need to carry out your plans. It's not always material stuff, hey? Equip me with the obedience I need to live the way you desire for me to live. These are awesome prayers to pray. I wonder, if, I wonder if we have prayed this kind of prayer for ourselves. Have you ever considered that you could ask God to give you uh, everything you need to live the way he wants you to live? Have you considered that God is the right one to go to when you feel that you're lacking what you need to live for him? Often we want to find a, a Christian mentor or you know, someone in our church to resource us or to help us. And actually, first port of call, you can say, God... Give me everything I need, you know, every good thing for carrying out your will and your purposes for my life. The second prayer we read here is similar to the first in verse 21. It's that the God of peace would work in us what is pleasing to him. That the God of peace would work in us what is pleasing to him. What I'm hearing is that this prayer is another prayer of submission. This is a prayer that says, God, I want my life to be pleasing to you. And that requires for you to be at work in me. Right? Do you remember what Paul wrote in Philippians 2.13? For it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. Right? This is the kind of prayer that shows an awareness that there is still room for God to do a transforming work in our hearts. Right? Sometimes we have to, sometimes we can forget. We can think, oh, well, I'm a Christian now. And so we've done, uh, I've kind of made that step and, and God's done a work in me and that's, that's good. That'll be enough. Actually, this is the kind of prayer that says, God, there's still room left for transformation to occur. There's still room left for growth to occur. And there's still room left for my life to become more pleasing to you. Would you do a work in me? to lead me in that. This kind of prayer acknowledges that we're spiritually bankrupt without Jesus, you know, and we need him every day to continue to help us. I wonder if you've ever thought about praying this kind of prayer. 
This kind of prayer is another one that is not just good for ourselves to consider, but it's good for us to pray this for our church, right? For our families, our relationships, our children, workplaces, schools, communities. God, would you be at work in our midst that our lives might be pleasing to you? Would you bring your transforming presence into our hearts? This is what, we, this is what I pray every, every Sunday. I'm saying, God, would you bring transformation here? You know, would you meet with us? Would you do a work in us through your word? Would there be a sense in which we'd be humble enough to recognise that we need a work done in our lives, that we could go different, we could go transformed by Jesus? And so um, we have opportunity to pray these prayers. I'm going to pray it. I'm going to pray it as we close. I'm going to pray that blessing. But um, I hope that we can understand that for all that it is, right? I hope that we can be reminded of who God is. He's a God of peace today. We can be reminded that that relationship that we have, it's eternal. There's nothing else we need to do, right? God secured it for us by his son Jesus, by the blood he shed on the cross. We can be reminded that we have a great shepherd with us. Isn't it awesome that God desires to equip us with everything we need? I pray that would be true for us and that he'd be at work in us so that we could be pleasing to him. Let me, uh, let me read this out. I'll read it now and then we'll read it after our last song as well. And while I'm reading this, Deb, you might like to come up and prepare to lead us in a final song. Now may the God of peace who through the blood of the eternal covenant brought back from the dead our Lord Jesus, that great shepherd of the sheep, equip you with everything good for doing his will and may he work in us what is pleasing to him through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen.